Peace be with you on this 19th Sunday after Pentecost through Jesus Christ our Lord. A little neglect may breed great mischief, said Benjamin Franklin. If you look up the word neglect in Google's online dictionary, the example sentence is, the old churchyard has been sadly neglected. Thankfully, our old churchyard is not being neglected. You can't say the same for property along the Oregon coast, though, can you? Have you ever driven along the coast or walked along the rows of beach houses in the little towns along Highway 101? Man, you see a lot of neglect. It doesn't matter where along the coast of Oregon, you know, a little chunk of land for a tiny beach cottage is worth a quarter to a half million dollars. Yet you see it everywhere. Some little dilapidated, neglected house, all gray, roof sagging in, just rotting away in the salt air. Somebody owns it. Somebody should be living there. You know, there's a big problem on the coast. You know, the towns need workers, but workers can't afford to live there. Yet there's all these neglected beach houses worth a quarter to a half million dollars just rotting in the, and turning into soggy wood piles. It's not that the neglect of these properties is the cause of all this. It's a symptom of some other economic thing going on along the coast. But these neglected beach properties seem to contribute to the mischief, if we were to use Ben Franklin's term, or the sad plight of the Oregon coast as it is today. Neglect is something we know is not good. But then there are times when neglect in some form helps us get through each day in life. Someone bumps into you on the street or in a market and they, as they pass by, you don't like it, but you let it go. You know, you don't care for and maintain your heightened emotional feelings about what that person just did to you. You neglect it, you let it go. You get home and make yourself a sandwich because you're hungry, but the bread is all moldy because you didn't tie the plastic wrap tight enough, and you throw it away and get a piece of bread from the new loaf that you just bought. You're not going to go hungry. Such easy neglect helps us get through the day with fewer worries because we've got, you know, we know there are far more important things to worry about, and there's so much you can, there's only so much you can do mentally, and sometimes just you neglect it and life will go on. You know as well as I do that our world is a very busy planet, right? International instabilities and political games and diseases and violence are the stuff of daily news, which creates a sense of daily crisis. Even if all these troubles were to go away, there still would be a, a full-time job of taking care of family though, right? Cultivating love in your family and, and being a peacemaker instead of an instigator. Doing our responsibilities as Christians toward one another. Loving sacrificially and practicing repentance and forgiveness toward one another. And let's even go farther than that. Even if you were the only person on earth, you'd still find yourself in a state of conflict within yourself. Where the old sinful nature would fight the new redeemed person 
that you are in Christ. It would still be a full-time pursuit to call on God for forgiveness and to renew a right spirit within us. We would find ourselves neglecting some important things in life just to take the pressure off. Neglect is a reality, but not a sustainable solution to our problems. And apparently it wasn't either to whom the writer of Hebrews was speaking to. Letting someone's snide remarks go and, and fade into the wind may be wise neglect. Neglecting your body, on the other hand, can be fatal. Neglecting your home can damage more than just you. It can damage your family and be very hard to repair. How much worse, then, is, is it when God asks us to consider, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If you're wondering what we're escaping, you know, what's he referring to about escaping? Well, it's escaping just retribution from God for your sin. The word escape is a significant ingredient in understanding the great salvation that many people neglect. In verse 2 from our Hebrews reading, the author says, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every sin received a just punishment. God says to us in His Word that His punishment for sin is just. Now, people may not always think so, Why is God so threatening anyway, you know, with his condemnation for sin being, I don't know, death? (laughs) I've stolen a few nickels in my life, flung a few flings, put a few people down. Doesn't seem very just that God would punish me with death for that. But our sins and our sinfulness all require death because we have been passive and active disobeyers of God's commandments. Because he is good, God is just. He plays no favorites with the human race he created. He pulls no punches when he tells us in his word, all have sinned against me. And God's not given in to sudden and unaccountable changes of mood and behavior like us. His judgments are dependable. So we know where we stand and what is right and wrong. And you know, it can actually be a comfort in knowing there is just retribution for sin. All the things that make you angry with the world, the abuse of innocent animals, the neglect of children, racial injustice, pollution of the world, it's all going to be justly and perfectly dealt with by God on the last day. You don't have to worry. All the horrible things in this world that you have no power or authority to do anything about God will judge. And all those terrible people will get what's coming to them. There is a purification coming, a salvation, an escape from the just retribution, and it will be here on the last day when Jesus returns to bring it to its completion. The angels announced it, and we're told here that their message is reliable. The angel told Adam and Eve, Don't look back at the paradise they'd just been booted out of for disobeying God. Instead, they were to look forward to a day when the Messiah, the Savior, born from their bloodline, 
would be the one to crush the head of the one who deceived them. The angels promised Abraham and Sarah that one would come from their bloodline to be the Savior. The message was given again by the angel to Joseph and Mary that the Messiah would be born from her, a virgin, just as the prophets foretold centuries earlier. This message was greater than punishment. It's a message of escaping retribution. Man, how you and I would have been so relieved to escape mom and dad's punishment when we did something bad. Remember? Remember how terrifying it was when you heard, wait till your father gets home. Now think of all that you've thought done and left undone against your heavenly father. Wait till your father gets home. But this time there is an escape. And there's reason to celebrate, not because of some craftiness or cunningness on our own part to escape the wrath, but because the judge has judged us not guilty on account of his son who took the punishment that we deserve in our place. We should not neglect this great salvation. And what makes it great is a God who made you and loves you, who gave his only son for you, whose blood on the cross paid the price for sins committed in thought, word, and deed. It's a great salvation exactly because the Son of God refused to neglect us and our inborn stubbornness and daily pile of sins. The great thing about salvation is that God takes note of your sorry situation, your hap hapless attempts at holiness, your careless come-and-go-as-I-please attitude towards His church, and simply loves you. He sees you stray, He feels your neglect for Him, and He truly wants better for you. The greatness of, of salvation is God in His majesty loving you in your misery and becoming your great salvation. Verse 3 in this reading says, Our salvation was declared at first by the Lord. He came from heaven above to be the very declaration of His mission to save you and me. And our salvation was attested to, you know, backed up by those who originally heard it. Eve, Noah, Moses, Abraham, the prophets, the Samaritan woman at the well, the women who saw Jesus' tomb empty, the disciples and Paul, and all those who heard from them. This great salvation will one day no longer be available to those who haven't already received it. The time is coming when no one can escape the retribution, or I should say, no more can escape the retribution for their sins. It'll be the day when Jesus surprises the world at his majestic return to judge the living and the dead, as we say every Sunday in the Creed. But because this great salvation is ours now, how could we neglect it? If you find yourself guilty of neglecting it, God has given you an escape, a way of being forgiven for it, his death on the cross and His resurrection is the escape for you. I hope that brings back to you 
the appreciation and greatness of our salvation because it brings you back to Jesus. Gets you looking at him and his, his joyous embrace of you as his dear child. Such is your greatest treasure. And this is most certainly true and reliable for each and every one of us. Amen.